1 Corinthians 7, we were in this chapter last week, and we're going to close it out today, and as we, we look at this, this chapter, I, there's a lot of principles, there's a lot of applications that, that Paul gives, as we saw last week, for, for those who are married and those who are single. One of the reasons he, he does, just at, maybe you're coming in today and, and Maybe you've been out for a couple weeks, or, or maybe it's your first time. Um, in, in Corinth, um, that they lived, uh, those in the church, often by not the Word of God, but by wisdom outside of the Word of God. And so Paul has been addressing that, um, encouraging them not to live by the wisdom of man, but by the wisdom of God. And especially when it came to this issue of marriage and, and, and being single, there was some pressure within the church because of false doctrine, false beliefs, false teaching. Uh, they had this faulty view of, of when you're saved that your soul and spirit are saved, but what you do in the body, in one sense, there was, there was groups who believed it didn't matter, so you could do whatever you want. So that's why Paul had to address uh, immorality in the church, and it, it was great. The immorality was great, not only in the culture, but also in the church. So he had to address that. But also with this view of the spirit in the body was, was this idea that, uh, okay, if God, if, if God redeemed the body and, and, and saved the body too, which is true, and Paul addressed that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 and on, then what they're saying is, okay, well, then, then I do not need to be involved in marital relations uh, uh, with another because the body is evil. And I and that's wrong, and so they get out of that, and they were they were trying to find reasons based on that to get out of their marriages. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 hold the boat! Your teaching, your your belief, your understanding is totally off base, and and evil in thinking. And so he he comes in. That's a reason for for chapter seven, and addresses a lot of uh, practical issues that the church was dealing with. And today, as we, we, we turn to verse 17, we're going to actually finish the chapter, and, and we're going to move pretty, pretty uh, at a brisk rate, uh, a rate this morning. But as we do, I, I want us to ask this question, okay? Because it'd be real easy just to get caught up in, in, the, in the practices and the application, which, which are important, okay? But we, we can't miss the, the lens that Paul is looking at these specific positions and, and roles and relationships, we can't miss the lens that he's looking through. And, and he's going he's gonna to write about it. And I think really the, the question that we need to ask today in light of this text for our life is, is what is most important in our life? What, what's most important? Because I think that's the lens that Paul is looking through. And then he's going to address these, these most practical issues that are within the church and so this is going to address today, it's very interesting, he's going to address some cultural distinctives, he's going to address vocation and jobs, and he's going to again address marital status again as well, um, but he does so with this question in mind, what is most important in life? And I think there's three things, okay? The first is our, our calling to Christ, our calling to Christ. We, we sung a lot about that this morning, I don't know if you saw, if you realize what you were singing, but that we were chosen by God, we were called by God, so we sung a lot about that. The second thing is obedience to Christ. 
Obedience to God's commands. And then the third thing that, that he's going to bring up is this idea of undistracted devotion. Undistracted devotion. Those three things are huge. And that's the lens that, that, that Paul is looking through as he writes this to the church um, and then addresses these practical issues. And so we're going we're to do a couple things this morning as, as we move through this text. Look at the words that he says through these ideas of what's most important, our calling, obedience, and devotion, but then also look at these practical things as well as we, we move through the text. And so let's jump right into it. We ended here last week, but look at verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called, each in this manner, let him walk. Okay, Verse 17, verse 20, and verse 24, Paul is going to mention our calling, Okay, that God has called us. Now, a lot of times in, in conversation in different places, people will say that God has called me to this, and we often refer to that when talking about our vocation or our job. Paul's not talking about that. Paul is talking about something different. Let me give you a hint. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. We read this uh, the first week or the second week we were in this study. Paul says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what's this calling he's talking about is this div the divine calling of God of one to salvation. You see, how, how does salvation work? Well, well, God pursues us, right? John writes this in, in his first letter where he says um, that, that we didn't love God first. He loved us first. He pursues us. He calls us. He draws us to himself. He leads us to that place where, where we believe. It's Ephesians 2, 8, where it says, for by grace you have been saved. Okay? That means God has, has come to you in great love and kindness and drawn you to himself and even brought you to faith. He's brought you to faith. He's drawn you to this faith, and he's given you the gift of it. And so God calls us by the Holy Spirit's pull into this fellowship with Jesus Christ, this relationship. And so he's talking about this calling. And, and out of the, 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 uh, the gates this morning, the first thing he wants us to know is this is the most important thing. Are you called? Are you called? Do, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the most important thing in life. If, if you can't answer that this morning with, with a yes Paul would say, I plead with you, turn to Christ, trust in him, believe in him this morning, in his cross, in his resurrection, and trust in him this morning and be saved. That's what God wants for us. And so what does this mean, though, in this text? Because look at back verse 17, then we're just going to roll on here. He says, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner, let him walk. Okay? A principle that Paul has throughout this chapter, we saw last week, it continues this week as well, is we are to remain in the state we're in when we were called, when we were converted to Christ. And when you were drawn by God into believing in this loving fellowship with his son, he's saying here, stay and remain in the relationships you're in, meaning, meaning this in the context, okay? because that, that statement can be taken a different way. But in the context is this. If you're married, what he's saying, stay married, right? I mean, that's the big thing, okay? And he wants us to be faithful in the positions we're in, the relationships we're in. That's the main goal, okay? Um, 
And so we saw that last week. But what about this week? Look what he says. Look at verse 18. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? It, he is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But what, what matters is the keeping of the commands of God. Each man must remain in what condition or that condition um, in which he was called. You read that. You, if you're like me, okay, I've read this text a lot over the last few weeks and, and months. As, we've, I, as we, I've been preparing for 1 Corinthians 7 and thinking through to myself, how in the world am I going to teach that? Uh, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff in here, a lot of stuff. And, and there's some things where it's like, okay, what's the interpretation here? Okay? One writer says that what Paul is doing is he's continuing this line of thinking of, of, of being married or, or single and, and simply using circumcision and uncircumcision as an example. Okay? I don't, I don't really tend to lean that way. I don't think it's completely wrong, but, but, but what is he meaning here? What is he meaning? I, I think he's addressing something different. I, I think he, he's addressing the idea of, of cultural distinctives. Can I use that phrase to help us this morning? Cultural distinctives. Meaning this, okay? So, so uncircumcised Gentile, all right? Let's get terms down. Circumcision, Jew. Now think of what he's saying here. If, if you were converted as a Gentile, don't try to become a Jew. It, 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 some would, would teach that, I think even in Corinth, that it, you know, to, to be a Christian, you, you have to enter into Judaism. And so what Paul is saying here is, no, Judaism is not Christianity. Okay? And, and so vice versa, for a Jew, you don't have to become a Gentile. And so he's going to address some of that next week and this idea of eating and what you can eat and can't eat. And so I think that's why he's saying this. But the question is, why? Right? Paul, why are you addressing this? Okay? And by the way, what he's about to say in verse 19, circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing, was very offensive to the Jews to, to say such a thing. Um, but what Paul, I think, is saying here is he didn't want the Corinthians to be tempted to, to move into legalism, to, to go into legalism, or another idea, and I think this is, is, is one that comes to the surface, to make following Jesus about cultural distinctives. And, and so what does that, that mean? What was Paul trying to get at? Well, if you look at the end of verse 19, he says, these two things don't matter, circumcision, uncircumcision, but what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God, okay? Our calling is important. The second thing he's going to say is important is obedience to Christ, obeying the commands of God. Okay, Paul, but you said they're more important than what? Than cultural distinctives. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? What did it mean for, for Paul? Um, what he's saying here is that, is that the mere changing of, of cultural distinctives uh, should be of no importance whatever to the Christian. In, in other words, don't make a big deal out of whether you are circumcised or not. And then, how does this apply to us? Because I think it's the same thing as well. We're not to make a big deal over 
whether I'm white or I'm black, whether I'm from England, from America, I'm German, I'm Swedish, I'm African. I think what Paul is saying, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is obedience. That's what matters. And, and so, what, so, so one might say, well, well time out, Paul. Uh, are you saying that these things don't matter? He's saying, no, those, those, are, those are secondary issues where faith in Christ and the gospel ma- makes those things beautiful. You were created in the image of God. It, I'm, he's not pushing away distinctives and saying they, that they're not important, they're not beautiful. He's not saying anything like that. But what he's saying is what's most important, what's most important is obedience to Christ. And so what does that mean? I think what he's saying is, there, is he's saying don't worry. Don't, don't boast about your present state of cultural distinctives because what he's saying here is that is little importance to God compared to whether or not you're obeying Jesus. That's what matters. And so what comes to the surface out of this, I, I believe, is when you think of this idea of, of obeying the commands of God, Paul says it beautiful in Galatians 5.14. Listen to what he says. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think what's probably going on in Corinth, besides all the false teaching and all just the mess of what they thought, was racism, the push toward legalism. I I think you had all of it. You're a Gentile, you're a Jew. you, You had it all. And I think one of the things that Paul is saying here is, hey, Obey Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. Cultural distinctives, okay, are not more important than obedience to Jesus Christ. I think that's clear here. I think that's where he's going at, okay? Obey Christ. That's the most important thing. He continues with this thought. Look at verse 21. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. Interesting. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men, brethren. Each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Now he turns to this issue of whether one is a slave or a freedman. Okay? Now, when I first read this, a different things went off in my head. Okay, and so let me tell you what he's not talking about, okay? The first thing he's not talking about is when we think of the word slave, often because of our American culture and history, we think of the the horrific slavery that people have endured in, in America, okay? He's not talking about that, that idea of slavery. He's, he's not talking about that, okay? Um, you might be thinking of, of this idea of being slave in Christ, and he's, he's mentioning that here in verse 22. And so, yeah, that, that's in there, but when you think of slave and freedmen, okay, here's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about jobs. You might be saying, huh? He's talking about vocation. A, a, a third of Corinth, okay, were slaves. But when we think of slaves, okay, don't, don't think of it through what we know and through our lens, you've got to go back to first century uh, Greek-Roman culture and society, okay? 
Now, were slaves mistreated, and was it horrific at times for some? Yeah. But, but in this case, what he's talking about, he's talking about a third of a society that had the, the job of a slave and a master. And you see Paul's going to address this in places like Colossians and other places as well, and Ephesians. And so these, these people, they had jobs. They, they were jobs. They worked for a master. They had benefits. They had employment. They ate. They, they, they were not enslaved, many of them, like we think of slavery. So, so Paul, I think, most definitely is thinking here of jobs. So you have a slave in this sense. What he's saying here is, is don't despair if you find yourself in, in this job as a slave in first century Corinth where others don't highly esteem that job. What he's saying here is, hey, with the gospel, that there's help so you don't have to despair. You don't have to feel sorry for yourself because you don't have the ability or the opportunity like others do. But he's saying, hey, be in that position. Know that you're free in Christ. And so in that job, obey Christ and glorify Christ the best you can. Hey, if you can get out of that job and get a different job, a better job, go do it, Paul says. Go do it. But if not, be faithful and stay right where you're at. On the flip side, for this freedman, all right, that this one who's the top two-thirds in Corinth, okay, maybe the jobs that were more esteemed by society, he's saying to them, be careful as well. There's help for pride. There's help for boasting. And he tells them here, remember, though you're free, though you have this role in society that may be more highly esteemed, remember you're a slave to Christ, that you are living under the authority of Jesus, and you are to submit to him. And so do you see how he addresses these two different groups? Um, and I think that's, that's where he's going at here. And the whole thing is whatever role you have, whatever job you have, okay, stay faithful where you're at. Obey Christ for the glory of God right where you're at. And then look what he says next. Look at verse 25. He's going to continue. And so he's addressed two things that should matter most to us, our calling. In light of our calling, obedience to Christ to God's commands, and that applies, right, to cultural distinctives. It applies to where we work, okay? And then third, look at verse 25. He's going to address another idea, and his idea here is found in verse 35. We'll get to it in a second, but, but I want us to know this before we read 25, is he wants us to have a devoted life. When you think about devotion, if you devote something, uh, if you're devoted to something or someone, what, you're devoting your time, your energy, your actions. It involves the mind, involves the body. I mean, you're, you're devoted. You're devoted. It's a priority. And so what Paul is saying is that we are to have this undistracted devotion to Christ, no matter where we're at in life. And he's going to cover the, the whole gamut of, of people, 
with, with what he's going to address here. So look what he says in verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no command to the Lord. Now, I'm going to pause right there because it, we, we, in our day, we wouldn't necessarily write that way, okay? So, so what does he say, this idea of virgins, okay? What he's saying, people who are single. I mean, that's simply what he's saying, okay, is, is the idea. He's addressing those who are seeing single. So now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. So, so here's what Paul is saying. I'm giving you my opinion, okay? Now don't take that and run with that and just think, well, just Paul's just giving his opinion, all right? It's, God thought his opinion was such valid and worthy that he, it's, it's, it's God's word, right? And, and so Paul says here, by the mercy of the Lord, he's, he's trustworthy. So you can trust Paul, right? And obviously the Holy Spirit who gave him this opinion, all right? So look at verse 26. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress. That's a key phrase. That it is good for a man to remain as he is, okay? And then he says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin, if you're single, marries, she has not sinned. Yet, such will have trouble, right, in this life, and I'm trying to spare you, okay? So what's he talking about? Here's what I think is important for us to do. Look at verse 26. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress. What is Paul speaking of? I think, I think a couple of things. I think one is, is more specific and then one's more broad. The specific is the distress. I think he's dealing with uh, a lot of things in, in Corinth. The, the false teaching, uh, the immorality. And so I, I think partly in view here is that, right? So I, so I think he's talking about verse 26, in view of the present distress here in Corinth. But I think a broader sense, when, when Paul, Paul's theology and his, his idea of the times we live in is this, okay? When Christ came into the earth, okay, his first advent, um, Christ lived here, he, he died, he rose again, he ascended. And then what Paul would say is, is, is Christ, because he said, just as I ascended, one day I will return. And so how Paul views the days after Christ's ascension is he, he views these as last days. Because Paul, in his theology, he, he believes when Jesus Christ returns, Christ is coming for his people. That, 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 that the dead and the alive who are in Christ will be risen with him and live with, ever with him in eternity um, in new heavens and new earth. 1 Thessalonians 4, 5. You, you read that in other places as well. That's Paul's theology. So here's the deal. When Paul's talking about these days since Christ's ascension, he refers to them as last days because they're the last days before Christ comes. And so he wants us to think about it as well. So I think what he's talking about right here is, is that. I think he's thinking of last days because he'll tell Paul, or excuse me, he'll tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I don't have this on the screen, verse 1, he'll tell him that these are last days. And in these last days, Christians will face opposition and pressure from unbelievers 
because of our, our morals, because of the stances we take, uh, because of our biblical views. And, and so we'll face that. At the same time in the last days, he also says that, that those who say they were believers, there will be many who fall away and, and will leave the faith. And so Paul has this, this view of that's what the, the stress of these last days look like. Persecution, opposition, and then believers falling away. So I think that's the big picture here. So he wants us to have that in view. So, so here's what he's going to do in the next few verses. He wants us to look at the issues of life through this lens of what is our relationship to the world as those who are part of a different kingdom. Because we are not part of the kingdom of this world as believers. We're part of the kingdom of God. And so as sons and daughters of the king, how do we live in this world? Because we've been transferred to a different kingdom. How do we live in this world practically? How do we do that? In these last days, how do we live? Well, he gives us some practical things. And, and I think to sum up what he says in verse 26 and 29, looking through that lens, I think what he's saying is, is simply this. If you're married, stay married. Be faithful. If you're single, stay single. Stay, stay, stay single in these last days. Be faithful to the Lord. If you're single, you want to get married, right? Get married. <laughs> that's, that's the simple thing he would say to those in the Lord. Trust I mean, marry those who are, are believers, right? That's the simple thing he's saying, but he's saying that in view of the last days. You with me on that? that that's important. It, he wants us to have the right perspective, and he continues that. Look at verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened. That's another important phrase. So that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep. This gets a little interesting. Hang with me. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. He's going to put some, some just thoughts here, and we'll talk about these thoughts in a second. Between two key verses in 29 and 31, the time has been shortened, and then in verse 31, the form of this world is passing away. What's he talking about? I think real simply, okay, the Lord and his return is close every day. It gets closer every day. So our time is shortened. It, it's limited, okay? All our time is short and limited, whether, whether it's by death or whether it's by the Lord's Return. So, so what is he addressing here? I think here, verse 29, 30, and 31, it's all about perspective. How we see life. And that we should have an eternal perspective, an eternal uh, perspective. So how do we look at the future? How do we look at the present, the days we live in? Do, do we look at them with eternal values in view? Eternal priorities in view? Because guess what? The world is passing away. Here's what John said. Another place in Scripture with this phrase, 1 John 2.17, John says, the world is passing away, just like Paul does here. And he also says, and also it's lust. Okay? Here's what, remember last week we talked about contentment. Now, I think that's in here too. 
with his ideas in verse 30 and 30, well, mainly in verse 30. I, I think he wants us to be content with living for Christ because there's a lot of lusts in the world. What do, what do lusts do? Okay? That they draw you away from what is good into simply what is bad. That's, that's a simple way to look at it. And he's saying here, the world is passing away and also it's lust. And so what Paul's saying is, we ain't got time for that as believers. And then John says, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. He wants us to live and please, live for and please God and live for his will. That's what he wants for us. Tony Evans says this, and I love this statement, and I think this, this is appropriate in this, this, these few verses. Evans says this, he says, too often as Christians, we mix a little of God with a lot of the world and wonder why we don't see a lot of God. It's a good word. It's a good word by a good man. A good word. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. We should not get completely wrapped up in the world and the things of this world, whether married or single. We, we should live with an attitude of detachment from the world. We should not let the world absorb us. And, and I think that's what Corinth was doing. They, they were struggling with that. And so Paul says, no, have an eternal view. Be different. And look what he says in verse 32. Paul's emphasis here is, is, is the main thing I think that he's saying here in these, these verses that are important. He says, but I want you to be free from concern." I like this, Paul. I said this last week, and I think he's still doing this. I, I don't think Paul is just sitting up here. Beat, you know, if he was speaking this, I don't think it's, it's you know, hellfire and brimstone. I, I think this is, let's pull up a chair, put a coffee on the table, let's talk. Okay? I, th I think it's pastoral care. I, th I think it's pastoral counseling and pastoral sens sensitivity. And look what he says here. He says, but I want you to be free from concern." One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin single is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Now let's see what he says next. This I say for your own benefit. Not to put a restraint upon you. So I like this. He's not, I'm not restricting you. This isn't a restriction. But I'm saying these things that I just said, 32, 33, and 34, to promote what is appropriate, good, right, holy, pure, and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Okay, so he, so he gives these thoughts, these, these wisdom, points of wisdom, about married, about single, and there's truth to them. But, but he's like, why I'm saying this is not to restrict you. A single person who's a believer, if you want to marry a believer, marry him. Married person, stay married, <laughs> right? But in all of this, what he's saying here is I want you to know what's of most importance is that you're devoted to the Lord, that you serve the Lord. Whether single 
whether married. That's what's important. And so we should not let the concerns of this present life keep us from living for Christ and serving Him. Whatever our marital status is. I think that's the main point that he's driving home here. And so what's most important? Our calling. Calling to Christ. Second, obedience to the commands of Christ. Third, an undistracted devotion. That we're devoted to Christ, that we serve him. And look what he says next. I I love this next little part. Okay? Um... I don't know if there's any other part of Scripture like this, this, this whole chapter, but especially this section. Look at verse 36. Look what he says next, and I think this is good. He says, If any man thinks that he is acting unbecomely toward his virgin daughter, hang with me. I'm going to help you out a little bit, okay? If she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry, Okay? But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, and he has his own virgin daughter, he will do well. Then both, he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. All right, so what's he talking about here? Okay, I, I think there's, there's, there's two ideas, and I love how Paul writes because he's probably talking about both. <laughs> um. I think the first person he's addressing here is a, a father, okay, who has a daughter who's single, okay, of the age to, to get married and thinking about it, and maybe even has a fiance. And what he's saying here, in, in light of all the false teaching coming from Corinth and everything, what he's saying here, father. If, if she's marrying a lad in the Lord, let her freely do so. Let her freely do so. And on the flip side, I think he's also potentially talking to a fiancé whose, whose intention is to marry a girl, okay? And he's saying to them, you can freely do that if you'd like. On the flip side, I think he's also telling them, if you don't want to either, Okay? You don't have to. You see what he's doing here? Because there was so much pressure in the church with this false doctrine to push away from marriage. And Paul is saying, no, you, you can freely do that. What I love about this text, though, is I think it all comes back to what, what he, his, the focus has been about um, your calling. Your calling is important. Dads, what that means for us, moms too, uh, that, that we must direct our kids as believers to marry believers. And we must be consistent in that. So I, th- I think that's in here that, hey, beware. Don't, don't sleep on this, all right? I think that's one thing we can take from this. The, the other thing is, is obeying Christ's commands, okay? As dads, what are we supposed to do? And moms, we'll train our kids up in the way of the Lord. And so that, I think, definitely is the idea We prepare our kids. If God has for them marriage, you prepare them for that. You you train them for that. If it's a life of singlehood, like Paul, support them. Train them up for that. Either way, you're training them up so they would have undistracted devotion. Undistracted devotion, likewise. 
Um, if you're single in here, and if you're a, a guy in here, and you're looking to, to, to marry a girl, I mean, I think you need to have these things as your focus. Your calling, obedience to Christ, undistracted devotion, of most important, and likewise for girls as well. And so, I think that's where Paul's going at. And then he's going to wrap all this up with a bow. <laughs> and look how he wraps it up. He says these two statements. Pretty clear here. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead. Now wives, don't go kill your husbands over this text, all right? <laughs> a wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she's free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Then he says in verse 40, but in my opinion, I love Paul, she is happier if she remains as she is, meaning single, and that would mean specifically as a widow. Okay, that's what he has in mind here. I think I'll, I'm going to address this, and I'm going to go back to something because it, it's, it's kind of, I see it, not here, but I see it in culture but I love what he says at the end of verse 40. I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Do you not think <laughs> that people in Corinth, because they, they thought they were super spiritual, that's who they thought they were, do you not think Paul says this to say, listen, I think I also have the Spirit of God, to, to make a point, that, hey, come on, come on. Paul, what I love about Paul, as one who's led by the Spirit of God, is he lived according to the word of God. And those who walk by the spirit of God, they obey the word of God. And I think that's what he's saying. Church of Corinth didn't. Paul, he does. And that's what we're called to. Now, I want us to look at this because it's something I see, and, and I'm going to make this one statement. And the only reason I'm going to do this is, is I shared this at nine, and it's the one statement they walked away with saying, wow, I need to remember that. <laughs> I thought, okay. Debated on bringing it up, but I did. So I'm going to bring it up in here. It's always risky. But anyway, here we go. All right. One thing I've seen, because this issue in verse 39, and this is just something to remember, right? For some of us, it may apply to where we're at. But in verse 39, he, he mentions here, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives, okay? Marriage is forever. We addressed that last week, Matthew 19, real clear. But her husband, if, if he dies, she's free to marry. Okay, so this is one widow or widower free to marry. Her husband dies. But listen to what he says here. Only in the Lord. And someone might be thinking, I get that for an 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, whatever. You're old who's about to get married. I get that. Only in the Lord. Believers marry believers. Don't, don't be bound with an unbeliever. I mean, in partnership, we get that. 2 Corinthians. Okay. But Paul, why, why do you have to say this to a widow or widower? Okay, so here's something I've seen culturally. Not here. Not here. Some of you say, whoa, okay, we have this here. No, I haven't seen it here. Okay? Here's what I've seen culturally. It is sometimes those who have been married and maybe that they're going into uh, another marriage, whether because of death, divorce, whatever, but, but I've seen this even with widows and widowers, is, is, is when they're up in their age and, and they start maybe finding uh, dating, and so here's this guy, finds this older girl, and they're both widows now, and 
what I've seen is, is this trend where, not in all, but I've seen it. And the temptation to do this, and I'm going to make a point to this, this is why I'm sharing it, is that sometimes, well, we'll just go ahead and live together. Because we're older now. Some of, you, some of you know where I'm going, okay? Or, why get married? Why mess with that anyway, right? Here, here's something I want you to remember. I want, I want you to remember this forever. You never age out of obeying God's word. Never. And I think that's what Paul's saying. That's what this whole chapter is about. <laughs> the whole chapter is about being faithful to the Lord because you are called. And as those who have called, we obey Christ's command forever until he returns. We have this undistracted devotion. Okay? We never, just like the people in Corinth, are to live beyond or outside of the word of God. This is the wisdom of God. Believe it. Live by it. Okay? Let me pray.